Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message, which is brought to you by Pastor Antioch Sheffield. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Good morning, everybody. I would, of course, like to say, good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you. But I can't, because I can't see you. I know you're out there, but I can't see you. And that's as a result of the circumstances which we find ourselves in, in this day and age, with the COVID and all the regulations that surround it. So we are only able to use the technology, and we're grateful for that. But I want you to look back for a moment over the last six months, back to March, and ask yourself, what is the main characteristic of those days? What is the main characteristic of the time in which we're living now? We see things from a different point of view. We have a different take on things, and we have different experiences. So there's a lot of different answers which are perfectly legitimate. You may want to say, well, fear is one of the characteristics, and that is true. A lot of people are very fearful about catching the COVID. You may say that separation and loneliness are characteristic of the age because, well, we can't meet like we usually meet. We can't see our families, and we haven't been able to meet with friends. But I want to suggest to you this morning that the one overriding characteristic which all of us have had to contend with, I believe, in one way or another, is uncertainty. There is so much uncertainty. I was just talking to a friend of mine down in Portugal earlier this week, and He's our agent down there. He's often on the phone and he likes to talk about what's happening in England and comparing it with what's happening in Portugal. So we go through all this and on this occasion, he drew the conversation to an end by saying, well done, the only thing that we can be certain of is uncertainty. And you know, there's a sense in which he's, he's near the truth. Uncertainty surrounds us. There's uncertainty with jobs. And closely associated with that, there's uncertainty with uh, finances, personal finances, family finances, business finances. So many businesses are saying, am I going to be able to survive this for much longer? We aren't getting the number of customers that we need. Are we going to survive? I don't know. It's not certain. And of course, there's uncertainty too with regard to the nation's finances. And then think about children and university students and school and university. They've had to deal with so much uncertainty with their exams and their results and so on. And they're still having to deal with uncertainty to a certain extent. And then there's our personal lives and arrangements. Tell me, 
should I book to go on holiday? And if I book, will I be able to travel when the time comes? Well, to be honest, I don't know. It's not certain. And if you go, will you be able to get back? Uh, well, yes, but there is a degree of uncertainty about that. And you may only be there for two days before the government changes the rules and you've got to get on a plane in double quick time to get back. So there's a lot of uncertainty with these kind of arrangements. And then there's uncertainty over the virus itself. Will we have a resurgence of the virus during the winter months? Well, we certainly hope not, but of course, we can't be certain. And what about the, vi the, the vaccinations? Uh, when will we have vaccinations? And when will they come available to everybody? How will it be dealt with? Well, we certainly hope we'll be able to have vaccinations, but at the moment there's nothing certain about that, is there? You see, we're just surrounded by uncertainty. Now, of course, in life, there's always been a degree of uncertainty. We make our plans, we have our aims, we have our ambitions, the things we want to do, the places we want to go. But sometimes events come along which change the whole thing and we've got to make fresh plans. And we live with that kind of uncertainty all the time. But now, that normal level of uncertainty which we associate with day-to-day -day living has been magnified enormously. So we ask, is there anywhere where we can find things that are certain? And the answer is, yes, there is. Come with me for a moment or two into the Scriptures and the Gospel by Luke and chapter 1 and the first four verses. We'll read them together. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now Luke was a doctor, so he was an intelligent and educated man. And he wrote the Gospel by Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. The Gospel by Luke telling us about the life and times of the Lord Jesus and the Acts of the Apostles telling us about the events in the early days of the Christian church. And although they are presented to us in two books, in actual fact, if you read them, you can go from Luke straight across to Acts. It's like two parts of the same book. It's an ongoing narrative. And Luke had investigated these things from the beginning, personally investigated them. He didn't have 
a reporter or a ghost writer or anything like that. He investigated things personally and he wrote everything from the beginning onwards. So he started with the John the Baptist, the man, the prophet who introduced Jesus to the people of his day. And in the Acts of the Apostles in the last chapter, we read about Paul the Apostle, whom Luke knew personally. Paul the Apostle preaching the Christian gospel in Rome, the capital of the Roman, the pagan Roman Empire. It was a continuous narrative with all the details. And he said, I decided to write this orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Why? So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And it seems to me that as we live out our lives in the 21st century, in this period with all the uncertainty that we've spoken about, that there's a gentleman from 20 centuries ago who is saying, listen, I can tell you things that are certain and sure. I can tell you about things that you can put your faith and hope in and be absolutely confident of. And that's what he has done. What are those things? The things, he says, that you have been taught. The things that the Christian church has been talking about, preaching about, teaching about for 20 centuries, things that pertain to the Lord Jesus himself, his birth, his life with the miracles and the parables and the teaching, his death on the cross at Calvary, his burial, his resurrection, and, of course, the promise of his coming again. These are the things, says Luke, that are absolutely sure and absolutely certain. So you say, well, yes, but how is that going to affect me in my life today? And when I asked that question, I was reminded of a verse in the Epistle to the Hebrews, where the writer says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And I, I've had those two words, an anchor, emphasized to us because they're important. My wife and I, before we moved to Sheffield, uh, lived on a narrow boat cruising the English inland waterways, and there's 3,000 miles almost that you can cruise. And we cruised on the inland waterways for 17 years, full-time liverboards, and we were working with the Bodhis Christian Fellowship at that time. And um, we had an anchor on board. And I remember that on one occasion, we were cruising up the River Severn, and by English standards, the River Severn is quite a big and significant river. And it wasn't in flood, but it was running higher than usual. So there was a current in there. And we were chugging our way up the river against the current. When suddenly, there was an almighty bang, and the engine stopped dead. 
and immediately the boat was affected by the wind and the current and it was all over the shop, drifting back down the river backwards, drifting back down the river forwards, bumping from bank to bank until I got up into the front of the boat and threw out the anchor. And you throw out the anchor and you let the rope play out, the anchor uh, rope play out a little bit, and then you whip it around the T-stud on the bow and it will go taunt like a bowstring and the boat will stop. And the wind and the currents no longer have any effect on it. It's stable and it's secure. And it stayed that way for an hour or more whilst I fumbled around in the water to clear out a big log which had jammed the propeller. But the boat was secure whilst I was doing that. Now, in our life, we're not affected by river currents and wind, but we have to deal with all kinds of problems, all kinds of pressures, all kinds of, of, of responsibilities, all kinds of changing circumstances which can throw us one way or the other. And Jesus never says to us, I'm going to take all those things away and make life just wonderful for you. But he says, you're going to have to deal with these things, but you've got an anchor. You've got that which brings stability into your life. And I believe that it comes into our life in a miraculous way, which some of us don't really appreciate. We have this wonderful hope and, and, and faith in the truth which Luke and the other writers in the New Testament tell us about, and it acts as an anchor to the soul. We say, yeah, but there's a lot of people who haven't got that anchor. And they've got chaotic lifestyles. And they don't seem to be interested in the Christian gospel and the Christian faith and the Lord Jesus. In fact, lots of them don't know about it. So how is this going to affect them? How do these certainties impinge on their life? Well, until somebody goes out and tells them about it, it doesn't, does it? And the Lord gave us a great commission to go out and tell people about him and about the salvation which he has made possible for us. And in Paul's letter to the Philippians, I'm reminded that he, he, he writes these words. You may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you listen, hold out the word of life. That's our responsibility. And you say, well, yes, but it's all very difficult in this day and age, isn't it? Because uh, we can't meet people and, you know, there's all this separation and problems and things. So how can we hold out the word of life? Well, I believe the answer is quite simply, you hold it out in exactly the way that Christians have been holding it out for those 20 centuries. We have a life group, and by way of a little advert, I would say that there are more than one life groups at Antioch, and if you don't belong to a life group, you really ought to check that out. 
it's a good thing to do. But we have our life group, which meets weekly. And um, from time to time, I invite what I call a surprise guest. And a few months ago, the surprise guest that joined us was a good friend of mine from the church that we used to go to years ago down in Tavistock in Devon. And he is, Roger is now retired from his business and he spends a lot of time as a police chaplain visiting and servicing two police stations in two towns in the vicinity. And I was interested to ask him about that work. So I said, Roger, I said, the police station is a place of work and activity. How can you hold out the word of life in the police station? You can't go in and preach. You can't bash people over the head with the Bible. How do you go about it? And his answer was very interesting. He said, well, the first thing that you have to do is pray about it. Before ever you attempt anything, before you step over the threshold of the police station, you have to commit it to the Lord in prayer. We have to hold out the word of life. We have to pray it out. And then he said, you know, you're quite right. You have to be very careful that you don't interfere with the work of the police station and the responsibilities that the personnel there have to carry out. So you can't force yourself on them. But he said, there are those occasions when somebody will make a cup of tea, take a little break, make a cup of tea, wander over to my desk and sit down there and they've got a problem or they've got an issue of some kind or other and they just want to talk about it. And it provides you with an opportunity not just to pray out the word of life, but to tell out the word of life. And then he said the other way, which is perhaps the most important of all, is just your presence there. Because it is acknowledged that the presence of a, of a, of a Christian chaplain in a police station makes a world of difference to the atmosphere in the station. He says, so you not only pray about it, you don't only tell people about it, but you live it out. Pray it out, tell it out, live it out. By your mannerisms and your words, you present to them something of the Lord Jesus so that he becomes attractive and interesting for them. And that's in a day of confusion. When we have a solid anchor... We have just to hold out the word of life to those that haven't. Pray it out, tell it out, and live it out. You know, one of the things we mustn't do is allow the, the uncertainties which beset, beset all of us in this day and age, we mustn't let them detract from the certainties that our friend Luke wrote about. We mustn't allow those uncertainties to sort of obliterate or fog up our vision of the sure hope and certainty that we have through faith in the Lord Jesus 
himself. We just mustn't let that happen, must we? The musicians will take us into a time of worship to bring our service to an end. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.